Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 574 for the 30th of Sivan in a regular year. So first of all, happy Rosh Chodesh. Today is day one of two of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. So I wish you all an amazing month to come. And now getting into the Tanya for today. So I want to ask you guys a question. Think about your hair. That's right. Think about the hair that you have. It could be hair on your head. It could be, if you're a man, your beard hair. Uh, it could be hair on other parts of your body and things like that. How connected do you feel to your hair? I know I feel very connected to my hair, right? I feel like it's a, it's an essential part of who I am. People often will describe me by my hair. Like if they're trying to describe me, oh, they saw me at some Shabbos meal or something like that, and they don't know my name. They'll say the girl with the blonde hair. They'll, they'll describe me like that. Uh, so hair, at least for me, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is something that really feels very essential to who we are. It definitely feels like our hair is a is an intrinsic part of us, just like any other part of our body, just like our hands, our eyes, any other part of, of who we are. The hair feels just as much a part of us as any of these things, right? I mean, I think so anyways. So then I have a question for you guys. If this is true that we our hair is such an intrinsic part of who we are, why is it that it doesn't hurt when we get a haircut? Why is it that when men shave their beards, you know, or cut their beards, unless of course they cut their face in the process, which sometimes happen, but the actual, you know, actual, the, the hair cutting of that, the actual, if you just get at the hair, uh, it doesn't hurt. Like, isn't that interesting that it's like, it's an essential part of who we are, but it doesn't actually hurt us when we cut it, which is not the case of any other part of who we are, right? Except for maybe the fingernails, which are very similar to hair actually in, uh, in Kabbalah. So speaking of Kabbalah, speaking of chasadas, this is actually interesting because it's uh, hair and specifically beard hair is something that's used as an allusion to the idea of the tzimtzum, to the idea of God's contraction. And we're going to learn about this today. And we're going to learn about how there's actually this idea of the dikna, the, the secret of the dikna, it's called, which in Aramaic means the beard, which is this idea, this which is exactly this idea of how the beard is an illustration to us. It's a way that we can kind of have a sense of this concept of tzimtzum, which we've brought up a few times already in the episode, but just as a review, tzimtzum is the contraction, is God's way of contracting himself and concealing himself so that the world can exist, so that there can be something other than him. So we can see this just on a very simplistic level that in order that in order for us to be able to cut our hair, whether it's our beard hair or our hair on our head or anything like that, 
um, it, it's it, it's actually a good thing, right? That it doesn't hurt because if it were to hurt, then it would be very painful to get a haircut. Think about that. So it doesn't hurt us, but this doesn't mean that it's not a part of who we are. So just like we know, like every part of who we are, whether we're talking about our internal organs, our external limbs, or any of those things, these are manifestations of ourselves. These are like, they, they reflect, um, they contain within them vitality. The vitality of our soul is manifest through these different things. Like, and we feel this in a very clear way. Like if we're lifting something up, um, with our hands, the sensory neurons in our hands get activated. And this translates to us as a sense of touch. Like we actually feel this, uh, if we, uh, step on something hot or cold, we feel it in our feet, right? So it's like, all these things give us a sense of the vitality in the different parts of our bodies. But when it comes to our hair, we don't feel the vitality, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. It just means that the vitality is very much hidden and that it's very constricted and very much concealed. And so this is why hair is really used as this illustration of God's symptom and how the symptom takes effect. And so what we're going to be learning about today is this exact idea is about God's symptom and is about this, this, this concealment of God's light, which we need to remember that even though it's a concealment of God's light, he is still very much there and he is still very much present. So if you notice, there's a lot of like this kind of like back and forth happening in Tanya where it's like we kind of, we kind of keep saying things like on the one hand, God is not like comprehensible to us. Like this is what we learned about yesterday. Like we, we talked about this whole idea about how any conception that we have of God is not really true and it's not a true conception. And it's like God is above anything that we can actually comprehend because he's totally above conception. But then we always bring it back down and we always say that even though God is really truly beyond comprehension, all the ways that we do understand God, it doesn't mean that God is not there within them. It just means that God is hiding. God is concealed within them, but he still is very much there. Just like if we look at a person's hair, then we wouldn't say that like, you know, you look at their hair and you're like, oh, now I get who the person is. If you see like a strand of their hair, it's like, that would be ridiculous. But nevertheless, we also understand that the hair does contain the vitality of the person, even if it is, and it is a very much a part of who the person is, even if it is in a very concealed way. So this is the whole idea. This is this like paradox that we're going to be learning about is this idea that how Hashem's Samsam is the, the way in which God conceals himself from the world and causes all his attributes to come about, causes the fact for us to be able to refer to God as being a chacham, as being knowledge, as being these things that we understand, that we that we we know that we have a mitzvah to try to understand God. So and when we talk about how God is the knowledge, the knower and the known, like which is what the how the Rambam refers to God. We can see these things due to Hashem's symptom, but nevertheless, we shouldn't just think that this is like, just like a game that we're playing and we're saying that we understand and know God, but we don't really know in God because really God's attributes are one with him. And it's a paradox that just as much as we can't actually understand God's essence in his true way, we also can't really understand or can't at all understand really how it is that ultimately his attributes and the way that we reference him are actually one with him. So it's it's really, uh, it's like a paradox within a paradox, if that makes sense. So let's get into the text and maybe we can get deeper into these ideas as we, as we go through it. 
So here we go. So today actually begins very interestingly. It begins with a note, with a with a bracket that we find these little notes in Tanya often. And so it's it starts with a note. So this is leaving off from last time where we were um, we were in the middle of chapter nine of Shari Chodvamuna, where we were talking about this idea of God's chokhmah and about how in relation to God, chokhmah is like asiya, like the way that uh, physical, tangible reality is to us in relation to our chokhmah, that is how God considers his chokhmah because God's chokhmah is so far diminished and so far removed from who he truly is in an essential way. And so now the Altar begins here with a bracket and with a note where he says that the secret of the symptom of the light of the Ein of Baruch Hu and the symptom of the Ak, Adam Kadmon, which Adam Kadmon, it's not the time now to get like too detailed into it, but it's basically Adam Kadmon is like the very, very first manifestation that comes about after the symptom, after the initial symptom. So there are actually many symptoms that happen, but after that initial symptom, we have this state of being, which is called Adam Kadmon, primordial man, which is where everything else comes out from. So we're going to learn a little bit about this secret of the symptom. So this secret of the symptom of the Adam Kadmon and the secret of the Dikna, which we mentioned, the beard, this idea of the beard, which is, uh, which is all, which is the secret of all the symptomum. So contained within this secret of this initial primordial symptom is the secret of all the contractions, all the symptomum to contract God's light, so that it should become enclosed within vessels. Within and what are the vessels? Within the vessels of the ten attributes, the ten spheres. So after God's light becomes vested within the vessels of Chabad, which are the first three spheres, right? The intellectual spheres. Then we can say about him, what, like what the Rambam said, that God is the knower, God is the knowledge, and God is the known. And that by knowing himself, he knows all of creations. So meaning to say that, just to break that down a little bit, so we talked about, again, that the Rambam says that the way that the Rambam defines God, basically, or, or gives us a sense of who God is, is he calls him the, the knower, the knowledge, and the known. And what the Alter Rebbe is specifying here is he says that this level of God being the knower, the knowledge, and the known only applies insofar as we're talking about God after the symptom, after this initial symptom where God becomes vested, God's light becomes vested in the vessels of the ten spheres. Because these ten spheres, these, these ten uh, vessels, which uh, which when we're talking about the ten vessels in a general way, this is something to know in Chassidus, when we just say like the ten spheres, like just, just like that, we're talking about them in the world of Atsilas because that is the highest of all worlds and it's in it's where all everything is found in its essential format so the essential spheros and the way that they're manifest in an essential way are found in the world of atsilis and then these vessels meaning spheros in atsilis they become the souls and the vitality for the three lower worlds, the worlds of Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya, which if you've been, you've been following along the podcast, hopefully you you have a sense now a little bit of what those three lower worlds are. I really encourage you to go back and maybe start from the beginning if you can, you know, to try to get a little bit more of a sense of what these, the, the map of these worlds are. Otherwise, you might feel a little bit lost. Um 
but really just in brief, basically. So it's like there are four general spiritual worlds. The highest of all worlds is the world of Atsilas, which is kind of like funny to call it a world because it's different than the other three in the sense that it's really just an emanation. And it's just like everything exists in a very pure format. It, it's not concealed the way the other three worlds are concealed. But nevertheless, as we're learning today, it still is concealed in an essential way because the symptom happens before Atsilas. So, okay, so going, going back to our text. So we're saying that basically, so uh, it's, it's, it's hard. I just have to say it's hard sometimes to like, it's like to not go on tangents here because each one of these terms, each one of these ideas, it's like there's so much to unpack. But if we were to just like do that for every single thing, this podcast would just be like really, really, really long. So it's like, I, it's hard sometimes to find that balance between trying to explain the terms on the one hand, but also not getting too lost in the woods in that sense. So uh, trying to bring it back now. So here we go. So we're talking about how the um, the vessels of Attilus, right? So the vessels of Attilus, which came about through that initial symptom, they become the, the soul and the vitality for the three lower worlds of Bria, Yitzhira, and Asira, and everything that's contained within the worlds. But with, if not for the symptom, and if not for this investment, then we would not be able to go- call God the knower, the knowledge, and the known. So the only, the, the basic point is the only reason why we're able to refer to God as being the knower, the knowledge, and the known is because of this initial symptom, because of the contraction that happens. Because, like, if symptom aside, we can't say that God is in the realm of knowing or knowledge at all, God forbid, because he's way, way, way above any of these things to an infinite degree, even in in terms of the limit of Chochmah, to the point that we say that Chochmah is considered to God as if it's like physical, tangible reality, the physical, tangible world, which is what, what the subject was of yesterday's episode. So you can go back and listen to that if you want a refresher on that. So that's the end of the note here. And now we go back into the main text. And so here, the uh, so, just, so just to sum up that note, again, so basically the point of that note is that um, when we refer to God as being the knower, the knowledge, and the, knowledge, the, and the known, this is, we're only able to refer to God in this, in such a way because of the symptom. The symptom is what allows us to refer to God as, as being the knower, the knowledge and the known. And it's only um, from that perspective of the symptom that we can refer to him as such. But when we go, uh, when we look at God as, as above the symptom, like from before the symptom, we can't say that about him because ultimately in God's true essential way, God is beyond knowledge. He's beyond comprehension. He's beyond wisdom. He's beyond any kind of intellectual anything, right? And so now the altar, but back in the, te- the regular text, he brings us back to earth and he says that it's not our place to be too involved in these esoteric ideas and these, these ideas that are hidden, but rather we should, we should uh, be involved with revealed things. And so what does this mean? Uh, what's revealed to us is that we should have faith. We should have total and complete faith that God and his attributes are one, meaning to say the attributes of God and his will, for example, and his chokhmah and his bina and his das, all of these things are united with his being in essence, which is totally high up there uh, to an infinite degree and above chokhmah and above intellect and above comprehension. So this is a paradox. I, w- I want you guys to really understand this paradox, right? That it's like on the one hand, we're saying that God's attributes are united with God. 
And on the other hand, we're saying that this God that they're united with is a God who is above all of these attributes. And so the ultra is telling us that if you're confused, that's normal because this is something that we can't understand. This is something that we need to accept on faith, how it is that God's attributes, which uh, he's not limited by, are actually united with him. And so just as we can't understand God truly in his essential way, that we can't understand uh, the essence of God because the essence of God is really above Chochmah and Sechel and understanding all of those things like we talked about yesterday, we similarly cannot understand how it is that he is united with his attributes, which emanated out of him. And this is why this inability of us to be able to comprehend the way that God, how, how it is that God is united with his attributes is the reason why that we see that the way that the Zohar, the, uh, the holy book of the Zohar refers to the spheros is it calls them Raza de Mehemnuta, the secrets of faith, the secret of faith, which basically means that this is a type of faith that transcends intellect. So this means basically that it's like when we talk about God's attributes, when we talk about the spheros, we we can't really, as much as we can talk about them and we can try to break them down or whatever, ultimately it's there's a secret to them. There's something that we just kind of have to accept about them on pure faith. And that secret is this idea that, well, on the one hand, we're saying that God is above all of them and he's not limited by them at all. On the other hand, we say that those actual attributes, those actual spheros are totally and utterly united with who he is and we can't separate the two. So it's like, what does all this mean, right? So um, that's the end of the sections for today. Uh, maybe that left you with a little bit of like a, you know, I don't know, like a kind of feeling of confusion in your mind. And if it did, then it served its purpose. <laughs> and that's kind of where we're supposed to be. And we're supposed to get to that point and then give into faith, then surrender to faith. That's the idea of faith above intellect as opposed to faith that's below intellect, where it's like we really push the limits of our intellect to the furthest degree. And then we say, okay, till here now, I just, I, it's, this is beyond me. This is I'm never going to get it. And, and we just accept it on faith. That's, that's where you should be right now. <laughs> and tomorrow we're going to continue along these lines and get a little bit deeper into these ideas when we begin chapter 10. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.